Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the podcast for McCoveyChronicles.com, the San Francisco Giants blog for SB Nation. I'm Brian Murphy, contributor at McCoveyChronicles.com, and with me is Doug Brazzoni, who writes about the Giants on Substack at GiantsDoug.substack.com. Uh, Doug, the Giants right now, uh, just due to our scheduling, they're they're playing the, the final game of a three-game series against the Dodgers, but I got to tell you, after this week, do you really care? Well, you know, I never want to see the Giants get humiliated by the Dodgers, so it's good I wasn't <laughs> able to watch the first two games of the series. That kind of I kind of lucked out on that one. Uh, it literally, last week we made a comment that you know the the Dodgers, the, sorry, the Giants haven't been good whenever this podcast has been up. They've only been good when we've been a, a dark podcast or not even in existence. And um, uh, and we said that they're just going to have to figure out how to win with us podcasting i just want to emphasize that literally as i started the dodgers had begun a rally and they've just gone ahead one nothing on a justin turner double <laughs> yeah it was 100 because of us um I will say literally the, as I the, the walk that put freddie freeman on base was not our fault that no. was before we started recording yes but justin turner's double was is on us yeah it's on us. It's not what you want, but there it is. Um, the big headline is that you want to see is that, hey, they re-signed Wilmer Flores to a two-year extension with the third-year option. Good job, Giants. Oh, boy. <laughs> the moves are coming fast and furious. It, it's the needle move. It's the move that uh, moves a needle in that if you drop like a pile of books near the needle, like the vibration will cause the needle to momentarily move up. That's what happened. So, yeah, hey, well, it, it's something, right? It is something in in that it is uh, the absence or the the um, the opposite of nothing. That's for sure. But Wilmer Flores has definitely been a good giant. It's perfect for this team. It's a boring move. It makes complete sense. You can't argue strongly one way or the other for it. And you're like, yeah, okay, fine. It, it's perfect. They're like every Giants move for the most part is like Novocaine. So, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, he's a stable hitter. He likes playing, uh, for the giants, which very few free agents seem to ever want to say. So that's good. Um, he, when he starts at third base, they're almost unbeatable. I don't know, just bring that up again. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, good against lefties, especially. And, um, and sort of that Darren rough guy, the, the DH, with the nice platoon splits, who brings the clubhouse presence and very just a tiny bit of, of positional uh, flexibility, which I'm sure will vanish after year one of this extension because yeah, he's getting after, up there in age. After year, <laughs> so right now he can play, you know, first, second, or third. After after the first year, it'll be first and third, and then after the second year, it'll be, you know, he can play first. Yeah. Yeah, so not. I mean, and as as great as he's been for them overall, you know, I think his um, OPS plus is essentially now one hundred. Yeah, where we're at. So I mean, you know, he his season has been fine essentially, but it's kind of it wasn't last year. It, it's all that, and maybe that's just because he's having to play a little bit more. Uh, but you know, nineteen home runs, uh, second on the team behind Jock Peterson. Another sign that that they're obviously playing him a little bit more than they probably want him to 229 average 312 on base slugging is not all that impressive, but yeah, he gives you a lot of things 
and they're really just paying him six and a half million dollars for next two each of the next two seasons. Not a bad move. Welcome back, Wilmer Flores. Yeah, so I mean, I wrote about this move this week where, like, look, it's perfectly fine. He's a nice player, uh, but like, the team needs to get better, and that's <laughs> that's one spot where it's not going to happen. Yeah. So th- that's the plus and minus, which is. You mostly know what you're getting, which is a perfectly fine player who can do some some nice things. And you also know what you're not getting, which is someone who's ever been worth two wins in a season. Uh, speaking of getting better, the Giants demoted Zach Littell. Oh, so, <laughs> hey, addition by subtraction. This week has felt glacially slow when it comes to baseball. I don't know about you, but it's hard to remember the Giants actually won two out of three earlier uh, or last week because this is a Monday drop here, you know, and and um, I don't remember that, but they did. And Zach Littell was was both both the cause of and solution to one of those w- <laughs> wins. Um, but, you know, he everyone knows the story. He got taken out. He made a face. He was he wanted to get out of the inning to his credit. After loading the bases, he did get the double. He did get a double play. Um, I think that's a very important part of this. And then he really was just upset that he couldn't finish the inning, but Gabe Kapler was making a good move, I thought. Um, at the end of the day, I don't feel like this is necessarily in the Coonrod territory in in that has Zach Littell been a, a constant thing, or did did he in a moment of emotion, being angry at himself and embarrassed, just kind of let it go towards the wrong person? He seemed to own up after it after the game, but you wrote about this, so I, I I think you went into it pretty well, actually. Yeah, I mean, so basically, you know, he gets mad right when Kapler comes out there, and he yells a little bit, and cameras catch it, and then after the game, he goes, "Yeah, I shouldn't have done that," but and the Giants demoted him the next day, but he's been bad this year. His ERA has been like five this year. I mean, for all the people who are complaining about the move because mostly because they don't like Kapler because the team is bad uh, this year. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with demoting a reliever whose ERA is five. He's a below replacement player. So you replace him with a replacement player and your team gets better. Yeah. I, I am, I'm of, of a mixed mind when it comes to not, and this is not saying this is what you're doing. I'm just of a mixed mind when it comes to like uh, responding to fan complaints, because yeah, that when the team's doing bad, it's always going to be on the manager and, I think there's a lot of, you know, Gabe Kepler, there's a lot of people who have their issues with him for other reasons besides what he's done with the Giants. I kind of think he handled it pretty well. Yeah. I, I think his his glance his, was as much shock, like, what is what are you saying? And then, like, immediate <laughs> anger being like, how, how, why would you say that? And then him sort of calling him uh, aside to single it out. And then taking him, and then taking him further aside, like down into the the clubhouse steps, or the that walkway. I I think it all worked out as well as it should. And then yeah, what else were they going to do? Yeah. I, I don't think it was as much. Hmm, I, I would say if if it is if they demoted him because it's a punishment. I mean, what's the issue? You know, <laughs> it, it, it's a it's almost a distinction without a difference. He's not pitching well, so you're going to demote him anyway. If if they had demoted him and there hadn't been the look, what what? Then that's it. That's all people are really locking in on. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. he gave up two runs in two thirds of an inning. Yeah, and then like, are we going to say that he should stay on the roster if he's going to pitch like that, even without the look? 
and the yelling yeah. a little bit? I, I don't think so. And I've already said this. Relievers are the worst baseball players on your team. And That's so fair. and so I completely understand why some teams are in a position where they both have to and want to give a guy a longer, you know, leash or op- many opportunities and all that. But you know what? Littell is one of their few optionable relievers, right? So if they can move him and it's not going to cost, you know, I don't know why they want to hang on to him on the 40-man spot, but I think it's clear if in the next 16 games they do want to add somebody it's that he's gone. But uh, it, it just seemed like a no-brainer. But anyway, I guess it's just like that was the only bit of life we're getting from the Giants <laughs> at this point in the season. So it became a little minor controversy. But folks... Uh, let me do it in full Obama since I started with the folks. Do you mind? <laughs> oh, please, please. Give me the Obama. Uh, now, now, folks, folks, uh, if a reliever uh, is, is acting a fool and, um, and um, is, you know, uh, not pitching well, we, uh, we should uh, let the team do what they're going to do. Uh, that, that's what I think should happen in Major League Baseball. So that was my Obama because I started Beautiful. with folks. Every Beautiful. time I... <laughs> Every time I start a sentence with folks, it's because of him. <laughs> uh, okay, so th- those two uh, general news items out of the way. I want to get to this this meaty one. And actually, Doug, in terms of the rundown, I think it merges nicely. So I'm going to kind of combine them. So uh, Mike Petriello tweeted earlier in the week. He's like, I think we all know that a big part of this is not what Mike Petriello sounds like, by the way. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. I think we all know that a big part of SF's big step back is that old as that their old guys aren't doing the same thing they did last year. But I don't think I realized how stark it was until I looked at it like this. And then he he snipped his own little spreadsheet <laughs> and it said SF position player war. And then uh, it, it says 33 plus and 32 and under. In 2021, the 33 plus year old position player war was 20.3. And uh, the 32 and under is 10.7. And in 2022, the position player war for players 33 plus is 2.2. And 32 and under is 10.4. So the Giants are doing pretty good at their roster journey under 32 guys, or at least it's stable, I should say. Yeah. And they've had a complete implosion. Yeah. <laughs> and they've had a complete implosion from their old guys. Um and this has been our more. This is all just the hitting he's focusing on. Obviously, it's a position position player war. And I just want to point a couple of things out, or I just want to point out one thing about that. It's not exactly misleading. This isn't like he's trying to pull the wool over, and and he it doesn't deny any of this. But uh, in 2021, they had 2,331 plate appearances to uh, player position players age 33 plus. And this year, it's at least as of the time he t- uh, I did this note which is Thursday evening, 1,600 plate appearances. So not, not half, but, you know, significantly less, fewer. And, and last year, the two main guys who had most of the, you know, had a good chunk of that 23-31, Posey, 454, and Donovan Solano, 344. That's last year to make it plus up. And I think what's actually really skewing them this year is that Tommy Lasella graduated from 32 to 33. <laughs> uh, and it's really dragging it down. But I'm bringing that up, and you can talk about that in a second if you want to get into that. But I just want to get into, this is a, another uh, factor in sort of, you know, the Giants have been um, uh, worse than the Dodgers by a pretty healthy margin over the last 10 years. And... It's because, you know, and this year in particular, 
you know, the things that the Giants have done well to kind of get by essentially are the opposite of what the Dodgers have done. The Dodgers have done what the Giants are trying to do, which is build a healthy base of young players and then use their money to acquire, you know, young star players by sometimes taking on bad contracts, doing dynamic free agent deals, you know, getting creative with their money in that way. And, and so when you look at kind of those two things, the Giants have sort of maxed out their, their tricks, essentially, and, and, and they've basically hit a competitive ceiling with the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the Giants' strategy is to get as much as they can out of the guys they have, and the Dodgers' strategy is to get better guys. <laughs> and so one of those is just going to work better. Um, yeah. You know, it's the, the Dodgers are just going to have more talent, like way more talent. Um, and then, you know, you throw in your, your Trace Thompson renaissance and it's it it starts to feel unfair because like that's how the giants have what, what the giants have to do to be competitive and they've done that they've tried it like 700 times this year and it hasn't worked once and the dodgers just go out and get trace thompson and look what happens the giants could have got him too but that's the thing that trace thompson is is the dodgers cherry on top yeah. meanwhile the giants entire strategy is let's see if we can build a team of trace thompson's Let's, let's see if we can build a team of cherries. Yes. Yeah. And and the thing is, is like, I'm not criticizing what they're doing to make up for what they're lacking and trying to get, which is the young, uh, forget about controllable, just the players they've drafted or traded for who are young and then their farm system and they develop and they can bring up. And yes, they're making lower amounts of money, but they're also incredibly talented players. It's not you know, it's not the high ceiling, low floor guys that the Giants would go because we need to get them into the major leagues as quickly as possible. But, you know, where is the Giants? Uh, where is a Seager for the Giants? Where is a Gavin Lux? Where is, you know, where are the players that they can use to trade and get included in a Mookie Betts deal? Um, you know, and and finding Trace, finding a Trace Thompson seems like something that they can do. And this year they didn't happen to really find one. Um and so, uh, and it just went to the Dodgers, which then makes it incredibly unfair, wildly unfair. <laughs> but yeah, beyond that, this 10 years of, of sucking compared to the Dodgers, um, and I mean, some caveats here, you know, the Dodgers have basically been in the postseason, what, every season in the last 10 years? Maybe I'm yes. exaggerating. Yeah, they've got one World Series. Giants have been to the postseason three times. Um, they've won five postseason series and one of those was a world series and you know 10 years is is tricky because you know at 10 seasons the last 10 seasons that starts at 2013 you know <laughs> rough rough time for the giants there so again over the last 10 seasons the giants are 754 and 747 it's 502 winning percentage the dodgers are 920 and 58 uh, <laughs> 613 that's pretty remarkable Hold and on, 920 and 58? Uh, sorry. They're 920 <laughs> and 581. I okay, had almost a number. Yeah. And, 50, and 581. Works. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> 920 and 581. Th- those numbers still sound wildly <laughs> better than yeah. the Giants. And look, I mean, is the goal to compete with the Dodgers every year? I kind of think it should be in the conversation as something they have to do. But the fact that, that you have foreign anxiety and you have ownership being like, we're not going to spend with the Dodgers, essentially, like, we're not going to compete with the Dodgers. 
And um, I think the big off season, that was another thing that happened this week was, you know, Zadie, Zadie saying, basically, this is a big off season for us. And it's one that we had targeted, you know, when he took over, it was like the last off season and this off season being big transitional ones. I mean, I think in some way you have to think about it in terms of like, how are we going to compete with the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, they're they're the elephant in the room. Like, you can't, as much as we all like to use that phrase, be like, well, we're just going to ignore the elephant. You you can't. It's there. It's always going to be there. You have to go out and beat them. And you have to make a team that can beat them. And, you know, last year the Giants kind of miraculously, I'll say it now, were that team that could go out there and compete with them and beat them, you know, half the time. And this year, and half the time against that Dodgers team is a hell of an is a hell of an accomplishment. And yeah. this year, they're not that team. No, uh, they're getting embarrassed by them. It's not even yeah. competitive. Um, and and I would think that above all else, forget about the entertainment component about that. I think there was an article in was it the Chronicle where, or maybe it was the Mercury News where someone was interviewing the fans. They're talking about how it's, they're not even entertaining this year. And, you know, I guess it's just more of that Novocaine where it's like, yeah, they're probably going to realize, you know, Zaidi's formula that you follow sound saving metric principles and you'll get a 75 win team. By the way, I went back and I listened to that again. Doug, you know, one of the main things about that quote that I always bring up that was from Zaidi at the Sabre conference in like 2014, he or yeah, he was still with the A's. It was before, it was, it was like before that season. So at the end of the season is when he went to the Dodgers, but he was like, you know, follow, we believe that if you follow sound sabermetric principles, you can win 75, you can have a fill the team with 75 wins on a $50 million payroll. That was the rest of the life. He goes, how you go, how you win more beyond that is what we're trying to, is like, how do you do that? How do you win more beyond that? Um, and it's like, wow, it seems like he might still be trying to figure that out. <laughs> uh, because I think it, there's something radical in terms of not how they look at players. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, but in terms of like, well, what are you prepared to do? I think what they're prepared to do has to really change. You know, the, the beauty of next year's schedule is that you're not going to play your division opponent 19 times. But all that really means is that instead of the Giants going five and fourteen against the Dodgers, they're going to go zero oh and fourteen. <laughs> and I don't think that most most Giants fans would stomach that. I mean, if if you watch what the Dodgers fans are doing on uh, online during these games, they're basically studying um, the games like they're crime scenes. They're like, oh, this vexel velocity is very interesting. It did kill the pitcher's family. But uh, like the blood spatter is very consistent, very interesting. This is, you know, they're basically looking at everything. You know, you can look at the Dodgers as being so far above everybody else. And then if you're the Giants, I kind of feel like you need a little bit of like, wow, they really do think they're better than me. I, 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 you would think that would motivate them to do something. Um, I don't think this is pushing uh, anyone other than the Giants fans, though, into some sort of existential crisis. Because it, it seems like it's very easy to take what they're saying about this being a big offseason as just words. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, um, <laughs> I, the, the one point I do want to make about Zaidi's old quote, where he said you follow you know, the sound saber metric principles, that was in a kind of different baseball landscape. You know, teams have gotten a lot more knowledgeable in the eight years since he said that. So 
I, I don't know how much that represents what he thinks now. That could just be what he was saying about the team at the time. This is my way of saying somebody ought to ask him if he's, <laughs> if he's changed his mind about that. <laughs> and it will be, what the hell are you talking about? I don't remember that. <laughs> I, and one part I want to bring up about all this is because Wilmer Flores represents, mm, I'm not going to say represents how the Giants used to do things, but it is what you said, you know, where is the improvement going to come from if you're just going to keep running it back with the same guys, even if running it back with some of these same guys is completely sound and rational. It makes a lot of sense. It's just an interesting problem that I think they've run themselves into. And to all of us, we can just afford to be like, when are you going to be better than the Dodgers? And that's, we don't have to endure the process or we don't have to, think about the ins and outs of the process. We have to endure it for sure. That's what we're doing right now. But, <laughs> um, and I've skipped all of this other talk. That's kind of a, a part of it that we're going to get into at some point, but uh, Brandon belt, um, uh, this all tied in together. I just smashed all of our talking points into this thing. You know, you bring back Wilmer Flores, Brandon belt stated publicly. He'd like to come back. He had a great knee or his knee surgery went well. He says he's feeling great. He, he was on the air with Kruk and Kipe during the broadcast on Wednesday. And, you know, it sound, you know, he took the time to say, I just want to say it's been great and I appreciate you guys are the best. Definitely sounded like a goodbye. I love Brandon Belt. Um, I think if his knee is healthy, really, that he would actually be a great player to have on the team. But I actually think this is one of those situations where it's like, even that, even if you get him back on an $8 million base with incentives or whatever, I, I think it's that's the exact situation where you move on anyway. Yeah. I mean you have to see. You you what's the future with Brandon Belt? Maybe one more good year? Like if you get lucky, you get one good year out of him. Yeah, and I maybe mean, you get him for just one year. You know what I mean? Like it could all that all could work out. Yeah, but, but I mean, is that yeah. one year gonna be the year that you need? You know, is that team gonna be good enough that you know you can afford to waste what would be development time, what would be time looking at other players um, on someone who's, who's on the downside of his career. Like even best case scenario, he has a good year next year. He's not going to play that many games. Um, He's not going to be in there every day. And so is that a player that you can afford to carry on a team whose ceiling is probably looking like, I don't know, 87 wins again. Like, if things break well next year, maybe they win 87. Well, we don't even know who's going to be on the team right now. I mean, I think if they run back the same exact roster, their ceiling is whatever they end up with this year. I don't think this is like you've got breakouts and bounce backs hidden in this roster, to be honest. I think everyone is who they are. I mean, that's just me. I I think, but you're, you're totally right. This brings up another issue though. For the next season or two, every player is just, treading water until you know like who's anyone blocking yeah i and that's in that sense it's like why not bring back belt but then but to me it is you have to you know this idea of wilmer flores is going to come back or he is and jock peterson you know two weeks ago was rumored that they were they were interested in bringing him back um Zaidi said it was a surprising to him on sunday night baseball last week was it Sunday Night Baseball or Friday Night Baseball? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, um, yeah, last week was Sunday Night Yeah, baseball. and he said, uh, 
that he was surprised to hear Longoria so strongly state that he did want to come back because he said that was the first he'd ever heard of that, which is interesting, um, which is weird because saying it that way, when you know, when you certainly have read enough to know that everyone has talked about Longoria being like, oh, it's kind of a no brainer to bring him back. And then the GMs, you know, it's just weird that he kind of phrased it that way. But again, it is like if you bring back Flores and you bring back Peterson, and you bring back Longoria. Well, then what's going on here? You're, even if all three of those players you can justify and they're, they'll provide quality, you know, then you've still got – we're going to have to get into this in the offseason because you've got a weird traffic jam if, the, if Longoria is back of Longoria, Davis, VR. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird yeah. thing. Yeah, it's too many players. I mean that's another reason that Brandon Belt doesn't make sense. Yeah. Unless you non-tender J.D. Davis, I guess. Which would be or bizarre tra- because or he's – trade him. Right, or trade him. So, He's been yeah. good. Like since he came to the Giants, you can't really ask for much more than than he's done. He yeah, he's been fantastic. He's he's hit for power. He's got two more years of control, which I think makes him like a good trade candidate. To be perfectly honest, a non-tender would be staggeringly very surprising. Um, but yeah, with the Giants so far, he has a not counting yesterday's game. He has a one thirty three WRC plus. Yeah. I mean, according to Fangraphs, thirty three percent better than the average hitter. I mean, yeah. you keep that guy around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's not a situation where I'm thinking, you know, they have a. It is a big off season because I think we need to see if the thinking is go, if the process is going to be tweaked at all. And I re- really feel like it's going to be if it's not coming mainly from the main guys from Zadie and Zadie and Harris, and it's like Larry Bear coming in over the top to like personally do negotiations. I think the team's in real trouble. <laughs> I really do. I think it's it's going to be a big it's going to be a big mess if that's the only way they're going to be able to land any big name free agents. And I don't even think that that's the way to get out of the situation. But Giants are in a mess. The Dodgers do seem to put them. The Dodgers, the last what since seventeen, you know, uh, Zaidi famously said, you know, when he was hired on that he remembers distinctly watching the last game of that twenty what, 2018, 2017, 2018 season. Um, and they were saying goodbye to Hunter Pence and Hunter Pence was talking to the crowd, um, which is ironic because they, they put Hunter Pence on the wall of fame this past weekend. Um, but he was saying like, he really liked what he saw the community there in that series. The Dodgers absolutely destroyed the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. And they did it. They did it for a couple of years in a row where they just came in for the last series of the season and played you know, of those six games total, two of them were competitive. And by competitive, I mean the Dodgers won 2 nothing instead of 12 nothing. Yeah. Uh, and we're right back to where we are essentially right back to where we started. Um, it, it's going to be amusing. The Giants are going to have a better record uh, than the end of that season, but they're going to be out of first place by like double the number of games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. I think in that 2018 season, it was like 16 and a half games. And this year is going to be like 30. Um, it's because right. the twenty the twenty eighteen Dodgers weren't that good. I think no, they were no. 90, 91 yeah, yeah, yeah. games or so. Yeah, they, they, they figured it out. They had to, they had to go to a game one sixty three at the Rockies, I think. <laughs> oh right, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Giants a lot more and in fun ways. And I pro- <laughs> I promise it'll be fun when we come back. Earlier in the week, um, this writer Grant Brisby uh, wrote about. The rule changes that will affect the 20th, 23 Giants for this uh, site called The Athletic. 
these are all small time operations. I don't know if anyone's heard of them, so I'm just pointing them out. Yeah, just uh, kind of, we just like kind of mention our friends, yeah. um, sort of a niche thing. Speaking of which, Roger Munter will be returning um, uh, in a couple weeks to talk about the end of the minor league season. And I think then, Doug, that will be the perfect time for us to talk about like how much longer until any of these guys do something for the Giants. <laughs> Um, uh, but he, I love Roger. He's really made the whole minor league thing exciting. Like it, it has nothing to do with when they're going to come up. It's like, oh, that that's a good play, <laughs> or that's yeah. that's a good player. Okay, so one of the main things that he pointed out, and I don't know, Doug, you might have your own thing that you want to point out, but uh, we talked about this last week about the the rule changes that are coming. There's a pitch clock, twenty seconds with no one on base, fifteen seconds uh, with a runner on, or sorry, other way around. 15 seconds with no one on base, 20 seconds with the runner on base. Uh, the size of the bag is increasing, and there's a limited number of pickoff moves, and infielders are limited in how they can shift. And we kind of went through them. The shifting is not going to necessarily be, well, we'll see where it's going to go. The uh, the the throwover rule, and Grant really points out, is really going to, there's going to be like, someone's going to steal probably 60 bases next year. There's many someones are probably going to steal 60 bases next year. But the main thing that I want to point out that I saw was that the pace, uh, the pace, uh, the clock is going to really screw with some Giants pitchers, but really it could potentially screw up Camilo Duvall's trajectory. Uh, Camilo Duvall's pace is basically 26.6 seconds between pitches. And so he's kind of boned um, in terms of a pitch clock because he's going to have to pick up his pace. And definitely, definitely, there's been data to show that picking up the pace incre- increases the chance for injury. You know, one way to combat that is that you simply just don't throw max effort every pitch. But guess what? If you're not throwing 101 every other pitch, you're probably more hittable now. So I suddenly became very concerned about Camilo Duvall in reading that. Or am, am I being too alarmist? No, I mean, it's a concern. Um, but what you hope is that what, you know, he's developed the two-seamer this year that I think he didn't used to have. And so even if he's throwing that 98-99 with a ton of movement that runs in on a righty, I mean, that'll still be a good pitch. Um, and then when he, he'll he only throw the 101 when he needs to kind of reach back for it. Um, but at the same time, you never know how these things are going to affect guys. Maybe he'll get better. Maybe, maybe guys need maybe, – maybe hitters need – you know, 21 seconds to be ready for, for 99 coming at them. Maybe they're like, Whoa, give me a little, no. Oh God. Got to get back in the box. You don't know. We That's don't know. a great point. And tying it in just to keep just pulling right from his article. <laughs> to, but to that point, you're right. The older hitters need more time to get ready for those pitches. Uh, what, another, another demerit against the giants 33 yeah. plus strategy there. Uh, but yeah, the older the player, um, they need a little more time to, to heat it up. Oh, I just had a thought and I lost it because I wanted to rip off or bring in more of this idea there. Um, but the other part of it, of that, like you said, is he could he could get better um, in terms of. Hold on, I really need to pause and think about what I was going to say. <laughs> Man, getting old stinks. Okay. Yeah. All right, see, we'll this is why the pitch clock will affect the pitch guys. clock will affect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I think this could potentially lead to strategically, even for a guy like him is if you're up zero and two, why not take the ball? And yeah, then you'll, you'll true. get 15 or 40 seconds or whatever 
to to warm up and get the pitch. And I wonder if we'll just start seeing that as a strategy. I mean, maybe. I think giving away the ball is such a kind of extreme thing to do. That um, thank that, God Joe Madden's out of the game. Yeah, no. <laughs> hey, bring bring him back. Uh, I know Rockies fans don't like Bud Black. I think that would be a great fit. They do a lot of stupid things in Colorado, and it'd be a lot of fun. Chris Bryant was a normal, kind person, and then Joe Madden became his manager. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I he gave a list of sort of other giants who this could potentially affect, and and for me, for the most part, it doesn't it doesn't really seem like. Um, I, I think overall, if you're just increasing the pace of play, it, it could, we don't know what all the knock-on effects will be, but I, I really think your main point of, well, if the hitters have less time to get charged up too, I think maybe it doesn't equal everything out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, but it certainly doesn't necessarily necessarily mean it's going to be worse for the pitchers. Yeah, I mean that that's that's on the table, but we basically just don't have any idea how it's gonna gonna shake out, and we can panic about it, of course, because it's our right and duty to panic about every move. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm not gonna make any judgments now on how it'll look. I'm just gonna wait to see how it shakes out and pretend like my opinion all along is that that would happen. I'm only just gonna raise a concern of of of. Camilo Duvall. That that was the only thing that stood out to me. I'm like, I'm actually legitimately concerned. Uh, but I also think if one thing I I feel that we've seen him really develop all year, the 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 two seamer notwithstanding, is is that closer mentality, the edge, the mindset. Where there's um, there and this this is not me being an old baseball fan. It's just watching baseball a lot. It's like. He seems to have, he's got the, the look. He's got the guy who wants to be out there closing the game. Yeah, he does, 100%. Um, and not to say he, he didn't want to be out there last year, but there's sort of an attitude that you see when you watch the game. Um, and, you know, you put on your straw hat, you get your radar <laughs> gun, and you go out to the game, and you go, this guy, this guy got the makeup. And they go, is that a Bruce Bochy impression? You're like, it's eh, just an old baseball guy. That's what they all sound like. Like, is that supposed to be Southern? And you go, look, I'm not going to answer any more questions about this accent. <laughs> uh, that was one alarming thing I I picked out from Brandon Belt's appearance on TV Wednesday. Is is he doing a Bruce Bochy impression? <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, their relationship is complicated. I I understand. But what's going on there? You never know. <laughs> you never know. It sounded very similar. Um, yeah, but I, I totally agree. We don't know what's going to happen. That was just the one thing that really stood out. The stolen base possibilities because of only two throwovers. Um, you can still throw over a third time. You know, you just have to get him. Okay. You know, that's I mean, that's what that's basically, I think, what the rule is. You're allowed two free, you know, throwovers where there's no action where where the result is no action so if you're picking a guy off either he's tagged out or it results in you know a rundown tag out force out or you know a, a tag play um i think then you're okay after two but really it's like okay but that <laughs> so <laughs> so what do you do uh but it would be interesting if the giants did get a guy who was fast and could potentially create a little more havoc on the bases just on that alone, that you have that potential opportunity, um, 
and I don't think that's going to cost them $12 million to find a guy like that to, who could potentially be that. So, But I don't know. The Giants uh, seem to be struggling <laughs> against the field, so we don't know. Uh, not struggling against the field, in fact, leading most of the field, is Carlos Rodon, who's, if not the best pitcher in the National League, um, one of the best pitchers, and if not the best pitcher in, in Major League Baseball, one of the best pitchers. And I just wanted to throw it to you, Doug, as our as our last thought, our last question. Um, he's got the blister issue going on, and that could certainly limit um, his his ability to th- just throw enough innings and and get enough outs. But I wanted to get a sense: Do you think he's going to threat really potentially take the the strikeout um, trophy this year? You know, he's got to get shot at it. He I does. Mean, well, hold on. Let me give the numbers. Hold on. Let me okay. just give the, I love the numbers. Uh, number one, Garrett Cole, 228 strikeouts. Number two, Carlos Rodon, 220 strikeouts. Number three, Corbin Burns, 219. That's your top three. Yeah. I mean, and so to me, it's really just about innings. Um, like if he, if Rodon can throw six innings a start over however many starts he has left, then I think he gets it. Um, oh, it's certainly in the NL. I don't know if he beats Cole in the AL. Um, but uh, he's got know, a non-zero chance of beating Cole. He's got, he's got a non-zero <laughs> chance. So Rodon has thrown 167 and two-thirds innings so far this year. Um, Cole is at 177 and a third. Burns is at 179. So I mean, they both have him by 10 innings or more. Uh, and, and he's, he's right there, and yeah. he's still right there in strikeouts. <laughs> yep. So I mean, the strikeout rate is is better, and he's done it over the full season. Um, but you just don't know how, if, if that blister is going to be a problem, basically, right. like it was uh, in his last start. Right. And, and look, the, these are the things you have to root for late in the season. You have to find something to hang on to. And you know, the players are, uh, you know, the team is, and I, I think of in terms of all the ridiculousness about baseball, about luck or what you root for and all that stuff. Rooting for your player, a player on your team to be the best in baseball at something—that's that. There's no, no shame in that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. The other thing they'll work against Rodon is that the Giants are out of it, and that the Brewers, especially, are fighting real hard for a playoff spot. And the Yankees are still—you know—they're kind of—they look iffy for a minute, but it seems like they're probably going to win AL East. Yeah. But you know, they still have important, meaningful games to play. They Rodon do. Rodon does. Rodon doesn't. So you right. know, the Giants might take him out after five to protect his arm and protect his finger because whatever, you know, like what's it really matter? What's his, you know, what's this one extra inning really matter compared to his long-term health? Which totally. Is teams do all the time. And that's not necessarily going to be the, the calculus with Burns or Cole. And just to color that or flavor that some more giants have 16 games left this season. Seven of them will be against the Rockies six against the diamondbacks. If this had been a better season, that would have been a great, like literally the next 13 games are against either the Rockies or the <laughs> Diamondbacks. That would have been an amazing thing if the Giants were at like 82 wins. If the Giants were at 77 wins right now, yeah, that would be 500 right now. Yes. You'd be like, you know, they got a good shot at it. They've got be like, that is as, as good as it gets. And then the, the end of the season is three games against the Padres. And honestly, Doug, between given those two, these two teams, it could go either way. 
Giants can sweep yeah. the Padres. The Padres. I don't know. You know that that Padres collapse <laughs> is happening yet again. It is. It's, they they just can't help but be the San Diego Padres. There's something but beautiful about that. Just to bring it back to that, because I kept saying all the season that well, Bob Melvin. That's the difference thing. I want to point out the collapse is still happening under his watch, but they were so bad in the loss that he was like. He was so beside himself. He basically just said, I've never seen any team not compete like this before. And he just called him out. And I can't, I can't imagine Jace Tingler and Andy Green ever doing that, those little punks. And so then they came out the next night and they played a little bit. They played better and they, they won big. But So there is that element. I just want to point that out. But just to go back to the Rodan point, the between he and Burns, their next starts, Corbin Burns is going to start against the Mets and Carlos Rodon is going to be playing pitching in Colorado. So, <laughs> so that's maybe here nor there about the strikeout possibilities. I think the Mets are actually a pretty low strikeout team. That's one part of it. But the other part of it is like, you know, after car, after four innings, Carlos Rodon may not want to play baseball anymore. So, <laughs> so you don't know. So that, that could definitely complicate things. And you're absolutely right. The Yankees are definitely, even though they're all but assured, a postseason berth, uh, they're, they're still playing for the AL East title there. So, um, yeah, so, but I, I'm actually excited about this because Rodon has been by far the best story of the season. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, him, Webb, and Duvall have been the good players. Basically. Well, they've been the good players, but Rodon, I think, even has, he's got the juice to bring in the corn kid. Um, he's been, he's looked electric all year. He had the smart, cool saber signing that worked out. Uh, all that stuff. It's been it's been great. Uh, wow, only sixteen more games left, Doug. Are you are you feeling relieved? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love to pretend that I'm like, oh, I wish this could go on longer. I don't want this going on longer. I want to see a better team out there, and the only chance of that is for this year to end. Yeah, I want to. I want it to get messy. I, I really do. Um, I want to see some stuff happen. And we want your questions for our end of the season mailbag. I guess we'll do one of those. That that sounds right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's always been the plan. Yeah. So send send that <laughs> send us uh, your questions. You know the usual spots on the site uh, on Twitter, and don't forget to check out Doug. Doug, where can people read you? Uh, you can find me at giantsdoug.substack.com, where I write twice a week. Great cool. content twice a week. Yeah, and please don't. Don't bother him on social media. He, he, <laughs> he needs to think about his next viral tweet. And if he sees his mentions, it could, it could ruin it. So just leave him That's alone. That's true. That's, uh, I've got a taste of the big time now and there's no, it's all gone to your head. It has. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, um, excuse me. Why aren't more celebs retweeting me right now? <laughs> I'm just going to add the tweet at every check mark I can find. And then when, and then, yeah. And then certain ones you'll see and you're like, not, not them. No, no why no. did it? No, it's too good for them. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, four against the Rockies in Colorado and three against the Diamondbacks. I'm sure they'll see Madison Bumgarner maybe, but we'll talk about it all next week. In the meantime, go Carlos Rodon. <laughs> go, go on the fans. <laughs> Thanks for listening.